Um, after the service, we have a lunch, and we would love everybody to join us. It'll be downstairs in the fellowship hall. You'll go out these doors and down the stairs, and it'll be um, just down the hall. Um, follow the masses, you'll find it. It'll be great fun. Um, we just thank everyone who's brought food and the wonderful people who have been in the kitchen all morning um, getting everything ready. Um, so that's right after service. Um, Operation Christmas Child, this month we're wrapping up the wow items, those sort of larger toys, dolls, soccer balls. If you can get a soccer ball, make sure it's got the pump as well. Um, any of those other smaller um, items. do want to let you know that coming up next month is the school supplies. School supplies are going on sale right now into you know, next month because, sorry kids, school is starting. Uh, so go ahead, get you them school supplies, put them in the back, go team. Um, we do have church tonight. Tommy Fountain from the BCM, um, we heard him speak previously. He's going to come back and join us, and we're super thankful to hear him. Uh, he'll be with us tonight, and we hope you guys come and enjoy that. Um, did I miss anything? Any other announcements that I missed? Anybody else? No. Okay. Sweet. Um, enjoy the service. Good morning. I am not going onto the stage this morning. Y'all will just have to look at me down here on the floor. Uh, what is that? We got one more announcement, so sorry. I was literally holding things in my hand and I forgot about them. <laughs> okay. Um, after the service, we're going to have a, an, a love offering for Love Him, Love Them. Please write the checks out to Forest Tights, and we will write one large check large check at the end of the service or you know after the fact um, you can use these handy dandy love offering envelopes there should be some in front of you in the chairs there's also some more in the back there or you can just put the money in the offering plates which are on the back there near near DJ wave your hand there you go um, also if you are joining us for the first time, we would love for you to fill out this connection card just so we can get a little information about you. We can uh, welcome you. Or if you have a prayer request, whether you are a guest or a regular, um, go ahead and you can pop that information there. And uh, that way we can be praying for you. Okay, for real this time. It's never dull at my house in case you didn't guess that. Um, <laughs> because in addition to that one, I have one other daughter at home and my parents. Um, love it. It just keeps life exciting. Uh, welcome to all of you this morning. And just in case you are wondering why um, we don't have a pastor, our pastor um, retired recently. And we did have a really wonderful interim serving with us. And last Sunday was his last Sunday because he has not been in good health. So we're just kind of winging it this morning. But you know what? God already knew that. He's in control of everything this morning, and we are so thankful for that. Um, I'm going to introduce Linda in just a second. I would like, though, before we get started, let's pray right now, if you all would join me. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather and worship you and hear these um, children sing, these young ladies, and just be blessed by hearing your word and songs praising you. You are so good to us, and you knew at the beginning of time that this was going to be a thing. And God, you've got it under control, and we thank you for it. We thank you for your love and your mercy and for all that you do for us. We just ask that you'd be with us in the service this morning and that you would guide and direct in all that we do today, that it would honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Linda uh, Gunter is the person who, she and her husband, who started this. We're excited to have them with us this morning. She and I have been talking back and forth on um, the phone and texting. And she just informed me this morning that she has me listed in her phone as Sandy Tankersley. I am actually Susan Tankersley. If Tank's married to somebody else, he's in real trouble. Um, so, um, but he uh, is our minister of music, and, and that was kind of how it came to us. Um, so I would like to welcome them. Um, she has done some really amazing things, and these girls are just precious. Loved hearing you guys give us a little taste before the service. That was nice. Um, and so I'm just going to hand it over to her and let her give you all the uh, info because she can probably do it a lot better than me. Well, we're glad you're here today, Susan. <laughs> Susan, not Sandy. No problem. So I don't know who is here today that is ready for their life to be completely changed, but I can tell you I have been through a lot in the last seven days. So I don't know who you are, but I tell you what, you better be ready because things are going to happen today that not one of you is going to walk out of this room the same way you walked in. I can guarantee you that. I just want to share with you just a little bit of my last seven days. I was at uh, Kenan Thompson's house in Tampa, Florida last Thursday and mysteriously became extremely ill last Thursday night. We still don't know what happened to me, but I was down for 48 hours couldn't even get up, couldn't even drive back from Tampa, couldn't, uh, had to count on my amazing children who I have raised them right because they took care of Mommy Linda. Uh, mysteriously, on Friday, we were out celebrating one of our girls from, the, uh, from Haiti. We were out celebrating her birthday, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting at the Japanese restaurant, and my nose, not the inside of my nose, but the outside of my nose, just starts profusely bleeding. The poor waitress is like, girl, you need a Band-Aid. I was like, how do I put a Band-Aid on my nose? That's my question, right? And I mean, just bleeding, just bleeding, just bleeding. My husband, my husband, where's my amazing husband? The hottest guy in the room. There he is, back in the back. Don't anybody go after him. I got my eyes on you. And uh, yeah, so for like, what, 12 hours, <laughs> I'm sitting there like this. Everywhere we went, uh, my David's like, you're quite a sight, Linda. You're quite a sight. You can see the pictures. Uh, with, and finally, the waitress did bring me a Band-Aid. What was it? A Zoom, a, a Dora the Explorer Band-Aid or something that I had on my nose. Yeah. And so then last night, my amazing friend Emily, Emily Wave. Emily, uh, we were over at Doug Vermilia's house. He's here on the front row. And uh, Emily saw me on the jet ski. And she's like, Mommy Linda, can I please go in the back of the jet ski with you? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, that'll be great. So she hops on the back, and we are riding around on Lake Hartwell on the jet ski. 
And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa! Literally, I felt like somebody had shot me in my eyeball. And I think, I don't know if it was a wasp, I don't know if it was a bee, I don't know what it was, but something literally piled me in my eye. Now, Emily's not driven a jet ski before, and I'm out in the middle of the lake like this. I can't see. I can't move. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, I, I've never, Emily talks a lot, but I, she didn't say a word. <laughs> she did not say one word. So I'm like, I can't, oh, my gosh, Emily, I can't see. I can't see. And fortunately, we're close enough to a dock that I can get to. We stumble up. I'm trying to tie this thing up, go up to the top. I can't see a thing. We don't have shoes. I'm walking like this. I'm like, Emily, do you know how to drive a stick shift? She said, no, I don't, and I don't have my glasses either. I can't see either. And literally, my eye explodes. I mean, I am like looking for major drugs, right? I am like, oh, my gosh, there, I, I have a needle in my eye. And I finally get to my husband, and he's like, you don't have a needle. My husband's a first responder and a volunteer fireman. So you get, I don't know if any of you are married to doctors or nurses. I mean, they just, they, you don't get no sympathy, right? So, I mean, he's like, there's not a needle in your eye, Linda. It's fine. I took a picture of it. I'll go get you some eye drops. But for, since, what time was that? Seven? Since seven o'clock last night, I have literally been laying in the bed with a pack of ice. Uh, my daughter, Gina, has been coming in and giving me Diet Coke which Diet Coke is the solution in the in mixture with the Holy Spirit for everything. Uh, Samaika and Taina and Merlanda were with us last night, and they prayed for me in the most powerful way. That, you know, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have any little Haitian orphan children around you, uh, it's no wonder you're not healed because I'm gonna, the, the, pow <laughs> the power of prayer from a child who believes is healing. Am I right? Oh, boy, that was kind of weak. If I was God, I'd be like, I don't really think they believe that. Anyways, I just wanted to share that with you because last Saturday, I was so out of it that the church that we spoke at, I wasn't even able to go. And so we firmly believe that we are definitely in a huge spiritual battle. Uh, and it's whoever that little guy is, our enemy, is working really hard to try to knock us down just before something amazing happens. And so I firmly believe that today, because now if you come up and look at my eye, you would not know. It still feels a little weak, but you would never know that what happened yesterday happened. And so I say that to tell you this. I, I mean, and it happens every time. I don't know who you are, but you need to be ready because your life is not going to be the same today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about why my life is not the same. And it has to do with not only this, these, how many of you are there today? Five? Okay, thank you, Tanya. I'm so grateful for you. Five. Can we count Eldo? Oh, well, just for today. All right. Uh, for, there are six kids here out of 30. If you were here the first time the Haitian Orphan Children's Choir came to the church, uh, let, me, let me see your hand. Okay. So um, many of you know that the reason that uh, we do what we do is because in 2004, my very best friend was tragically taken from this earth. Her husband took an AK-47 and killed her. And five minutes later, he took a knife and killed her mother. And my friend had five children, and so five children in five minutes, lost their mom, their dad, and their grandmother. 
they fell through the defects cracks, and this is in Georgia, in the state of Georgia, and they ended up, in, in within 24 hours, they ended up in the state of New York to live with my friend's dad, who had just lost his wife and his daughter. Are there any 78-year-old men in the house? Well, can you imagine being 78 years old, and now all of a sudden you've got five kids? Fast forward, he <laughs> this lady back here, I ain't 78, but I don't want five kids. I feel, I, I hear you, girl. I can see your thoughts. I can see your thoughts. Yeah, so about, he made things work for about two years. I had met this guy twice in my life. Once at the double funeral in New York, and once at some kind of a baptism service here uh, in Georgia. And he called me one day. I tell you what, if you ever read our book, you'll see how many times when I answer the phone, my life completely changes. Sometimes the girls will be with me and say, Mommy Linda, your phone's ringing. I'm like, just, let's just let it ring. <laughs> just let it ring. Because phone calls continuously change my life. But this particular phone call was from my friend's dad. And he said, Linda, you're my last phone call. I can no longer care for these five children. He had found out he was terminally ill. He did not share that with me at the time. And he said, so if you don't take these five kids, I'm going to have to split them up and put them in foster care. And my immediately Holy Spirit-filled, godly woman response was, dude, you have made the wrong call for your last. I don't know if you know that much about me, but um, I don't have any kids. I don't want, I don't even like kids. I mean, and what, I, I neglected to tell you that my friend was Haitian. I mean, what am I going to do with five Haitian kids? I mean, I live in Gumlaw. I don't think, think we have Haitian people there, you know? I don't even know if my church has any black people at it, to be honest with you. So how's this going to work? But my godly husband overheard the phone call, and he said, Linda, James 127, and I'm thinking, is this a time that we need to be quoting Scripture? That's my question. We're talking about five kids. He said, James 127 clearly states that real religion a lot of us think we know what real religion is, and we think if we check this off and check that off, we're doing what we're supposed to do. But most people don't even know what God says real religion is. It's to care for the widows and the orphans who are in a hot mess. That's the LIV version, the Linda International version. And I looked at my husband and I thought, dude, that is Jesus talking. <laughs> this is Linda. I am not Jesus. And we cannot take in five kids. But then... I responded back, and if you want to know the rest of that story, it's in a book on the product table outside called Peanut Butter Crackers and Flip Flops. Fast forward on the 17th day of the seventh month of the year 2007, the family living in our home in Gumlog, Georgia, went to the size of seven with children the ages of seven to 17. And if you don't think God is in the details of your life, you look up and see what the number seven means in the Bible. You look up and see how many things happen on the 17th day of the seventh month. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm telling you guys, I was running a business at the time. I didn't even have a vehicle big enough to take the children around in. I had, we had to borrow a minivan. That's every girl's dream, right? Let's get a minivan. Yeah. So, uh... And I'm going to spare you many of the details, but let's just suffice it to say this. Everyone knew my kids' stories. And, they, and it bothered me that people considered my children as victims. And I thought, you know what? Everybody has a story. You have a story. Susan, you have a story. 
everybody in this room has a story. And I thought, I want my children to not live off of that as victims. So you know what we're going to do? This Christmas, and because people considered them victims, at Christmas, they would overload them with stuff. Give, 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 give. We'd go from this house to this house to this house and spend all this time opening presents. I couldn't stand it. So in 2011, I decided we were, I was going to take these kids back to Haiti. We were not going to get one thing for Christmas, and anybody that normally gave us Christmas gifts, we were going to take those funds that they would spend on the Christmas gifts, and we were going to go to Haiti. And I was going to show these kids where they came from. And probably a little underlying thought of mine was, and they're going to be a little bit more grateful to me for what I did, because I don't think they, you know, they really appreciate me as much. So 2011, which just happened to be the year after the devastating earthquake in Haiti, my husband and our five Haitian kids and myself got on a plane and went to Haiti. We took enough gifts for 17 girls. We found an orphanage we were going to help. Uh, we currently run that orphanage. <laughs> we stayed at a guest house that we found. We currently run that guest house. And while we were there, the gentleman who took us around, which was Fred, which was Fred's father, Go ahead, you know how you love the publicity. Just wave your hand, buddy. Ah, he's not shy at all. Fred's dad is who took us around. And while we were there, he said, Linda, I know this is not on our itinerary. I know it's not on our schedule. But I have a friend, and he and I used to play music together. And after the earthquake, children who lived in that area, who lost their families or their primary caregivers in the earthquake, sort of migrated to his home. He said, and he now has 30 children there. Now, my story was five, right? And everybody that heard my story, I, girl, I cannot believe you took in five. I'm hearing about this chick who took in 30 kids. I'm like, she's got to be crazy, right? So we get in the back of the cow truck. We go over. Come on in, Elizabeth. Better late than never, honey. There she is. <laughs> come on in. Kelly, let her come sit with you. Uh, this, is, this is who gets the prize for coming the long distance. Uh, so we get on the back of a cow truck, and we're just about to, we pull up to this building. And when we get out, there is a pile of trash about the size of this stage. And there's a little, two little boys and a goat and a pig. And they're going through that trash. And they all had the same goal. They were all looking for food. It messed me up a little bit. We go up three flights of stairs to get to where these kids are. It's Christmas Day. There's no ham on the table. There's no Christmas tree. There's not one gift. Kids are running around with no shoes. We walk in with our suitcase that we had no gifts in, but every time we opened it, miraculous things happened. Flip-flops came out. We had exactly the right size for every child. Barbies. All kinds of things came out of that suitcase. It was insane. You can read about that in the book, too. And we were just about ready to leave, and the gentleman who was in charge of the orphanage said, Mommy Linda, before you leave, I want for my kids to sing for you. And I'm going to tell you, that place smelled like what you would expect a place to smell like that had 30 kids in it with no running water and no electricity. And I was ready to get out of there. I had already given my husband that look. You know that look? Yeah, he, he didn't pay any attention to it. I, don't, I don't really don't think he still pays attention to that, but that's okay. And I, I'm, I, I think you can tell I'm a pretty bold individual. I don't mind saying what I want to say. But I could not figure out how to say, I don't want your little orphan kids singing for me on Christmas Day. I'm out of here. So I reluctantly went over, sat down on a urine-stained daybed. 
and they handed me a little girl that had been dropped off the night before. Her name was Majin. She was four months old. And I sat there and held that little girl while these girls and Eldo and 22 other kids went and stood in front of me. And they started singing. They sang a song, This Little Light of Mine, and they sang it in five different languages. <coughs> and I lost my mind. <laughs> I sat there and I looked at them and I thought, what are they so happy about? They don't have one materialistic thing to be grateful for. Their circumstances stink. <laughs> Do they not know they don't have running water? Do they not know they don't have a Christmas tree? What's going on? And I felt like Jesus Christ himself tapped me on the shoulder and said, Linda, this is the joy of the Lord. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what material things you have or you don't have, I want you to look at these kids. Because Linda, they have the joy of the Lord. And girlfriend, that's right, Jesus called me girlfriend. Girlfriend, he could have called me sister because he is my brother. You ain't got it. Because your joy comes from when everything goes the way you want it to go. When your husband does exactly what you want him to, can I just please say that still doesn't happen? And ladies, if you are in here waiting to find the joy of the Lord for your husband to do what you want him to do, it's not going to happen. And I left that orphanage that day really messed up. And I told Fred's dad, I said, you know, somebody needs to bring those kids to the United States. I said, you are probably not going to believe this. But I, everybody I know, I mean, have you ever been to somebody's house in the United States that doesn't have, one of your friends that doesn't have electricity or running water? I told him, I said, you're probably not going to believe this, but every, everybody in the United States has what they need. I mean, if they don't, there's a government agency that they can line up for and get it, especially now. I said, and most people I know have everything they want. But they're not happy. They don't have any joy. It's constant complaining. And he looked back at me with his thick Haitian accent. He said, oh, Mommy Linda. Every American I bring here, they say the same thing. But don't nobody ever do anything about it. We left that orphanage. We came back to the United States. We sat around our dining room table at another family meeting. That's how I ran our, that's how I ran our family, by the way. We, we had family meetings run by Robert's Rules of Order. We have a minute book, which now is worth a million dollars. You should see very important issues like chores, towels, I mean, disputes. It's, if you don't have family meetings, you should have them. And at our January family meeting, I said, all right, what was that trip to Haiti? What was that? Was that a one-time thing? Or what are we going to do? And my youngest daughter, Jazzy, who, by the way, is coming to Bible study tonight. I'm so excited. She looked up and she said, Mommy Linda, we have to go back. Those kids, they're, they're counting on us. Like, okay. So 
2012, we never spent another traditional Christmas in America. And I'm going to tell you, once you've spent time in Haiti with girls like this, you don't want to come back here and do Christmas. It's a waste of time. And I firmly believe that Jesus Christ himself would much rather celebrate his birthday in an orphanage in Haiti than here with whatever. It's a side note. Every year I went back and I told these girls, I said, we want to bring you to the United States. And especially Belinda had no faith in me. <laughs> They're like, there's a crazy white lady coming to our orphanage saying she's going to take us somewhere. And she, she's really crazy. We reached out to every major organization that had any sort of a footprint in Haiti. And trust me, there's a lot of them. We shared our vision. We shared our story. Because who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I mean, I'm just a, a girl that has five kids, right? What do I know about bringing anybody to America? And every organization we reached out to, they said, ma'am, you're crazy. Because if you think the Haitian government is going to work with the United States to bring an entire orphanage from Haiti to the United States, that is never going to happen. And I don't know whose money you're spending, but <laughs> you, that's not going to happen. And so then, in 2016, these girls, their brothers, their sisters, they got on a Delta flight. Now let me tell you something. That's not as easy as you might think. For you to go get on a Delta flight this afternoon, Susan, Sandy, whatever name you're going by today, it's probably not that big of a deal. But when you live in a third world country, you don't just hop on over here. You gotta have a visa. And before you can get a visa, you gotta have a passport. And before you can get, and you can't even get a passport renewed in America now, but before you can get a passport as an orphan in Haiti, you gotta have a birth certificate. And before you can get a birth certificate, you got to know when your birthday is. And I bet for everybody in here, that's really not too big of a deal. You know when your birthday is, Ava? Of course you do. But if you happen to be the only member of your family that survived an earthquake, and you're the only one, there's two girls sitting on this front row that were literally underneath the rubble of the earthquake. They got pulled out, but their family members didn't. And if that's your situation, oh, Miss Mommy Linda, why don't we just run down to the courthouse? Well, if the administration in your entire country goes, there's no courthouse to go run to. That's the level that we started at with this project that everyone told us was impossible. How many of you know that with God, all things are possible? We got on a flight, we came to America, we sang from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, all the way up to Washington, D.C. We went back to Haiti. And they moved out of that building. They moved into a, a new building. They had running water. They had electricity. They had their school supplies. The second year, we were blessed with the visas again. We came back to America. We sang. We went back. We started to build a transition home. We started to, uh, we, the third year, we went, we came back, we started to build a hospital. These girls that you are about to hear sing are responsible for the funding for six locations in the country of Haiti. 
these girls that you are about to hear sing are here because they are going to beg you to help them help their brothers and sisters in Haiti. These girls that you are about to hear sing are responsible for opening a hospital in the middle of a global pandemic in the country of Haiti, unheard of. After our third tour, 22 of those 30 children had the opportunity to stay in the United States of America. They were either granted student visas and are here in school. We have children in school from second grade to juniors in college all up and down the East Coast. <laughs> Again, unheard of. Or, if the, or we have kids from that choir that are in the process of being adopted. So I just want you to grasp the fact that what you are about to experience is a miracle. And if you are someone here today that doesn't think miracles still happen, shame on you. Because we experience it. I experienced it between last night and this morning. We experience it every day. So I want you to get ready to have your world rocked. And I want to introduce to you, very slowly, because uh, we're going to take this one, one girl at a time today. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, but I want you to meet and to know and to love six girls, five girls, who have changed my life forever. So we're just going to start off one at a time, and then we're going to bless you with some singing. So let's go with, well, you want to go, uh, let's go oldest to youngest. Daka, I want you to show them, to not you first, you that first. This is Radafka with her passport picture from 2016 when she very first came to the United States of America. And uh, she's going to, uh, you go right on up, that's fine. Okay. Oh, Mr. David said go up. Yeah. Let's go up. And when Radafka first came to America, if you were here when you heard the choir the first time, she didn't speak any English, right? So it was very difficult for us. But guess what? She parle anglais cognéa, oui? She knows how to speak it now. So tell them a little bit, tell them your name, where you go to school, and what you want to do. Hi, my name is Radafka. I'm 19 years old. I go to Barnes Academy. Did anything amazing happen to you this past week? Yeah, I got my license. <laughs> yeah, Dafka got her driver's license this week. Belinda, come on up. Uh, so did you drive here today? No, I drove to your house. You drove to my house. Okay, so that was very interesting. Very, very good. Radafka's an amazing driver. And then we have, what is your name? Ms. Belinda. Ms. Belinda. Okay, can you show us your picture from 2016? Yeah. She keeps telling me that we got the pictures confused, but uh, we really wanted to give you guys an idea of what the girls looked like when we very first met them, but we didn't have any pictures from the beginning, beginning. So we were only able to go back to 2016. So do you feel like you look a little different now? Yes. You do? Do you remember looking like that? No. <laughs> uh, that's you, girl. That's right off of your passport. So I'll take this. Now you introduce yourself and tell them a little bit about you. Oh, my name is Belinda. I'm 19 years old. Which one is yours? Go ahead and grab your mic. Whichever one, whichever mic is yours. 
Uh, Belinda, what you just had something amazing happen to you about two weeks ago that you got. Do you remember when you went and took the test? That's right. <laughs> Do it on the microphone. You got what? That's right. So you need to turn it on, turn your microphone on. And can you tell everybody, uh, you also did something this summer uh, on the computer. What did you do this summer? <laughs> Maybe she doesn't speak English yet. I'm not so sure. Uh, it was something with that has the letters TFC in it. Can you talk in the microphone? She took a college class while she's a junior in high school and through dual enrollment. Yeah. How did you do on that class? Good. Okay. She's like, I don't know why these people think it's a problem for me. I can do their language. So, yeah. So, Belinda speaks French. Samaika, you're next. Belinda speaks French, Creole, and English. English is their third language. And next, ladies and gentlemen, we have the birthday girl who turns, I'll let her tell you how. <laughs> Look at that picture. <laughs> you got to turn it around. You got to turn it around. I'm going to have to start paying them to get them to show you their pictures. Oh, look at Samaika. Okay, and what is your name? Samaika. I did say it, didn't I? I'm sorry about that. That was just in case you didn't remember it. And so what is, is going to happen to you tomorrow? A birthday party. A birthday party. And what are you going to do? Roller skating. Did you ever roller skate in Haiti? Uh, no. No. They don't have roller skating rinks there? I don't remember, no. You don't remember? Uh, did you, and what else are you going to do? Swimming in the lake. Did you ever swim in the lake in Haiti? No. No, you didn't. Next, can you guys give her a big happy birthday round of applause? <laughs> Taina. Taina, come on up. Taina loves her picture. She's convinced. <laughs> Taina's convinced that we got it out of the bad and busted. She doesn't even know what that is. But anyways, that's pretty funny, right? So, Taina... <laughs> Who fixed your hair that day is my question. Um, I don't know, Gertie something? Yeah, that sounds like something Gertie would do, probably. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Do you know which microphone is yours? Can you go grab your mic? Good job. And you'll turn it on. That way y'all will be ready to sing. Okay, and so it's so funny because tell them what you want to be. I don't think your mic's on. There it is. She wants to be a model, so I think we should definitely send this in with your application. And how old are you? You sure about that? Okay, just checking. Uh, and then last but not least, we have the amazing, come on up here and see if we can remember your name. Is that your wife? Okay, can you get it? Oh, look. Girl, you must have taken some vitamins for your, you must have taken some vitamins for your hair to grow. Huh? Because we got to show it. We got to show it. I just want to say, how insane did we have to be? We brought four and five-year-old kids over here to America. Merlanda was literally four years old whenever we brought her over. So when I look back on that and think, it's obvious. I, mean, I remember David saying, look, we'll just put the little ones on a piano bench somewhere, give them a maraca. They're never going to be able to make it through a concert. They're never going to remember all the words. And I'm going to here to tell you, Majin, Seema, Merlanda, and Zachary, 
they made it through every single concert and were the stars of every single show, right? Can you talk in your mic? Okay. So what is your name? Merlanda. Merlanda. And did you take vitamins for your hair? No. You didn't? And how old are you? Eleven. Eleven years old. Wow. And do you go to school or do you just stay home and play? I go to school. You go to school? How Are you any good at school or... I mean, I'm you don't good. really, do you speak English? Yes, ma'am. You do? Do you, can you speak anything in Creole? A little bit, some of it. Just say one thing that you know in Creole. Como oye. Como oye. Ladies and gentlemen, five girls who are giving themselves away today for you are hoping that you will learn today how important it is that God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you the same way he's using them. I want you to help me welcome by standing to your feet and giving them a round of applause, the loved by him girls from the country of Haiti.
I give myself, I give myself to you. My life is not my own, to you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Merlanda does know more Creole than she let on, and so what we're going to do right now is we're going to sing a song for you in Creole. Uh, this is a song that basically talks about how the very best time in our life is the time that we spent with him. So Belinda, can you hook us up? I want to remind you that we are not professional singers. Okay, sorry about that. We are five girls that were raised in an orphanage in Haiti that are using a talent that God has blessed us with, right? We're not trained. Uh, we, weren't, we didn't go to singing school. We are basically using the gift that God gave us. I want to take a few moments to introduce you to Sansei. 
Sansei is the reason that we decided to build a hospital in Haiti. Sansei died after the second choir tour. He was, at, he was nine years old, and he died from typhoid fever. Typhoid fever, when you say that in America, that someone died from typhoid fever, it's like, what? Are you kidding me? That's treatable. It is treatable here in America. And actually here in America, we have uh, medicine that you can take that you won't even get typhoid fever, right? Sansei's death, which I'm going to just share a little bit with you. While I was in Haiti doing everything I possibly could to get that boy here, to get an emergency medical visa, which doesn't exist anymore in Haiti, but God granted us that, to get $25,000 for an airplane flight to get him back over here, which uh, Samaritan's Purse was willing to do that for us. And yet, it didn't happen. We could not even get blood for Sansei. The hospitals that we were at in Haiti, when they said that Sansei needed blood, I said, give him blood. Do whatever, do whatever you got to do. Give him blood. Oh, no, ma'am. We don't, we don't give blood in the hospital. You got to go get the blood. I'm like, look, I know there's voodoo here, but how in the world am I supposed to go get blood? Oh, you go get a cooler. What? Go get a cooler, and then you take the cooler to the Red Cross. Now, they're not just going to give you blood. You got to take three people with you to give blood, and then they'll give you blood in the cooler. And I thought, I have got to be on America. I mean, on what? You know what I did? I went and bought a cooler. I had a mission team with me. Emily was with me. I didn't have to go in the streets and search like other people do that have kids in the hospital. I had a mission team with me. We went to the Red Cross. We sat and waited to get our blood. <laughs> we took it back. And the next day they said, oh, you need platelets. I said, he needs platelets. Give him platelets. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to go get platelets. And I thought to myself at that point, how are these other people staying by the bedside of their children and then getting, getting the blood and everything coming back? And I found out that the way you do it in Haiti, I've learned a lot in Haiti, the way you do it in Haiti is you send somebody. So we paid somebody to go get us platelets. Use that same little cooler. <laughs> and the guy came back on the back of a motorcycle and the doctor and I were standing in the open air lobby of the hospital and he saw him get off the motorcycle with the cooler and he came in, he's like, I've got him, I've got him, I've got him. And the doctor said, now, I don't see you shaking the cooler. Did you shake the cooler the whole way back? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? He said, oh, well, if they're platelets, you have to shake the cooler the whole time on the way back or they're no good. That's about five minutes of a five-day story. It's in our next book about Sansei. When Sansei passed away, we dedicated our last tour completely to him. And that's how we raised the money to build our first level of our hospital. And these girls sang at their brother's funeral. And I let them choose the song that they wanted to sing. They've sung that song in many different locations. They've actually sung that song with Kirk Franklin, who wrote the song. My life is in your hands. 
This is the song these girls chose to sing, standing beside their brother in a coffin. If they can do it at that point, I want you to think and listen to the words of this song and see if you're willing to place your life in his hands. Don't you be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. For there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hand and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hand. So when your tests and trials they seem to get you down and all your friends and loved ones are nowhere to be found remember there's a friend in jesus who will wipe your tears away and if your heart is broken Sleep your hand and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hand. With Jesus, I can make it. With him I know I can stand, no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hand. I know that I can make it, I know that I can stand, no matter what may come my way. I can make it with him I know I can stand no matter what may come my way my life is in your That hospital is now open. The first level is open. And like I say, it opened August 29th last year in the middle of a global pandemic. We are serving 
patients on a daily basis, even through the assassination of the president on July 7th. We have not closed. We have kept our doors open. Uh, we're in such a remote location where our hospital and vocational school are that we've been able to, to continue there. We're looking forward to building that second and third level so that we can uh, do surgeries. Uh, looking forward with many connections that we've made to get x-ray machines and different things. We actually have an ultrasound that came from Athens, Georgia. You have an amazing gynecologist here who donated an ultrasound that we put on a container. Yeah, come on. If you're going to do it, do it. We're going to share with you a few more people after this next song that are uh, incredible assets to our organization. I I'm a volunteer. I mean, you heard my story about why I do what I do. I want to make sure you know that my husband and I are both volunteers. Everybody that works with Love Him, Love Them are, are volunteered. Uh, we, we do it because we're doing it to bring glory to the Lord. That's the only reason. So I want to make sure that you know that every penny that you give, every item that you give, uh, goes directly to help. We also work in Northeast Georgia. We have amazing things available. We do a Thanksgiving meal every year. Last year we served over 3,000 people, uh, homeless, hopeless, and homebound. We'd love to have you as a church join us with that or come and help us uh, volunteer to deliver that. We do an amazing night of hope every Christmas, and that is for children who have a parent incarcerated. Obviously, my children have a parent incarcerated. And that's where we came up with that idea. Last year, we had over 300 people there. We, our night of hope is that we give you, as a child who has a parent incarcerated, we give you and the family who is caring for you whatever you need. You need a house, we give you a house. You need a car, we give you a car. You need a job, we give you a job. You need a puppy, last year we gave away a puppy. That was so fun, and I did not want to give that puppy away. Did you, Merlanda? No, we wanted to keep that puppy. We got to keep her a day before. So we have lots of different ways that you can become involved with us throughout the year here. You don't have to go to Haiti. You know, one of our girls said to me last week, she was like, you know what, Mommy Linda, I just realized, now they've been doing this for three years, singing, raising funds, and raising awareness about Haiti, right? She said, you know, I just realized we don't really have to go back to Haiti to help Haiti. We can help Haiti here. And I was like, there's a light bulb moment. You're exactly right. We sure can. Why don't we try to do that? I, wanted, I want you to know we've traveled again for three years. We've been in probably, I don't know, 800, how many places have we been? 10,486? A million, a million. And one of the things that we find in churches, especially, is there's not a whole lot of unity. Not a whole lot. I, I know you're probably not going to believe this, but we've actually been to churches where some people will sit on this side and others will sit on that side. And if they're on this side, you're not going to talk to anybody on that side. If you're on that side, you're not going to talk to anybody on this side. I know, right? It's hilarious, isn't it? And what we've learned is that the bait that Satan uses to make that happen is offense. Somebody does something and somebody gets offended. And once Satan has you offended, then all of a sudden you get a little bitter. Sometimes you get a little rage. I see a lot of people nodding. Now don't, 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 don't spit out who you're thinking of right now. And then after that, you know what happens? You just have a little bit of unforgiveness in your heart. And that's all Satan needs. That's all he needs is just a little bit. He just needs a little bit. Because you know what he works to do then? Is he wants you to be unproductive. And we've also learned in our travels that most people 
seem to have an issue with their dad. Ooh, drop a pin in here now. There's issues with our dads. And then, and you know why Satan lets that happen? Because who, who, is, who is God? He's our heavenly what? Hallie, what is he? Our heavenly what? He's our heavenly father. So if you don't like your earthly father, you think, you think you're going to have anything to do with a heavenly father? Do you, are you following the deception? Well, here's what I want you to know. The five girls standing behind me, they all either don't know who their father is or their father's died in the earthquake or their father is non-existent. But what they've chosen to do is to flip that on their enemy and put all of their faith and all of their hope and all of their trust in their heavenly father. So I think if there's anybody in this room, and trust me, I know a lot of your stories. If there's anybody in this room that has a right to be angry about not having an earthly father, they're standing behind you. And there's a few sitting here. But we're going to sing a song right now. And what I want you to do is I want you to take this time, and if I need to open up the altar, I can. If these girls can talk about their Heavenly Father as their good, good, good Father, so can you. Because all it takes to forgive is a heart that's willing to surrender and forgive. Don't waste another five minutes on this earth not taking advantage of the promises that the Bible provides. Because when he said, I've come to bring you joy and bring it to you abundantly, that's not when we get to heaven. That is for right now. That is the same joy that I saw on these girls' faces in that orphanage. You can have it now. You can stay in your bitter rage and unforgiveness if you want to. That's your choice. But you can also forgive and be set completely free. This altar is open during this song. If you want to come and pray or if you want to just lay your head down on the seat in front of you and ask God to please replace anyone or anything that you need to forgive to make God your good, good father. Listen to them as they explain it to you.
searching for answers far and wide, but I know we are searching for answers only you provide for us, you know just what we need before we say a word. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. Do a very special young lady and about how long ago was it Amanda three weeks four weeks ago three four weeks ago she heard this song and she decided that she wanted to do something amazing for these girls so I want you to look up to the right hand side of the stage your right my left there are about how many backpacks are down there 42. Oh, you sure about that 48 total 48 total so, could you tell me what's in those backpacks? There's hand sanitizer, um, jump ropes, bubbles, um, lotion, toothpaste, toothbrushes, um, crowns, I already said soccer balls. Um, Is that your mama trying to tell you what's in there? Prayer journals, um, paper, um, rulers. Colored pencils, regular pencils, markers, all sorts of just stuff. And what is your name? Jolie. Jolie. So when Jolie heard that song, she heard that story, she decided that she was going to take some action. 
You know, there's a verse in John, actually it's 3 John, and it talks about how a lot of us got a lot of lips, and we talk a lot of smack, and we say we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Well, Jolie, can you, you think you can get your brothers and sisters to come up here? Wyatt, can you come on up? Wyatt. These, is there somebody missing? It's all? Okay, so see, I usually have like 35 children, so I'm thinking four. This is not very many. All right, so first I want you to tell them your name. Connor. Connor. Ella. Ella. Ella is so cute. We already know. And my favorite. Not that I have favorites, because you're not <laughs> supposed to do that, but I do. Wyatt. My, Wyatt is my favorite, because whenever we were at their church singing, Wyatt came up, and it was the most cheerful giver I have ever seen in my life. He was skipping up, and I said, you know, I think that's what it means in the Bible to be a cheerful giver. Now, he might not have been giving away his own money. I don't know why that might have been why he was so cheerful. I don't know. But these kids, along with the girls that are standing behind me, have more reason than any of you in here to also not want to put their faith and trust in a heavenly father. And their story is their own story to share. But what I want you to know is that these kids took action. The verse that I was talking about in 3 John says, the way that we know if Jesus is the Lord of our lives is if we're talking about it or if we're doing something. And these kids, at a very, very crucial, critical time in their lives, which is what the last four weeks has been, decided instead of wallowing, they put together backpacks girls for you girls to all have all of your school supplies for this year and to take home to Haiti and to take back to Haiti so how many did you put together do you remember 48 48 backpacks which is enough for all of their brothers and sisters that got left behind in Haiti that didn't find host families to come here in addition to our girls in our transition home so I would like for you to stand up and I would like for you to give a huge round of applause to these amazing kids. There we go. And this congregation is full. You guys can have a seat. This congregation is full of people who have done amazing things. We had a very difficult time finding homes for our boys. Uh, and so we do have one successful boy that has made it through a host family and a successful host family that has made it through a boy. <laughs> and we have another successful woman uh, who has made it through a, a raising another boy. But I'm going to tell you, boys were very difficult. I see some amazing boys out here from another organization that uh, mentors young men. But it's tough. And so we have six boys that were in the choir that did exactly the same thing that these girls did. They sang their hearts out. But we couldn't find homes for them in the United States. So one of the main reasons that these girls are continuing to sing is to be able to support Jerson, Ibendo, Jeff, Dowin, okay. Davidson, <laughs> Maiko. They act like I don't know who the kids are, but anyways, that's good. I'm glad they're helping me. Did I get everybody? Yes. 
And so we needed $1,500 per boy to be able to allow them to finish out through their vocational school. And I want you to know that it was a member of your church that stepped up with that $1,500 for a bendo. And it was because of that donation for a bendo that it's going to put him through tailor school. He wants to be a tailor. He will go learn how to use the sewing machine, learn how to do everything. And it was my response to that individual who gave that money. I didn't know who it was. And I said, you know, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to Forest Heights. Forest Heights? I was like, well, why? we only came there one time. We never came back on any other tour. I said, do you think there's any way we could uh, come back and, and visit with you guys? That's how today got set up. And then for those of you who, who know what's happening today, this concert is actually being filmed for an opportunity for us to be on a brand new television series called The Good Samaritans. And it, it connects celebrities, high-profile celebrities, which our high-profile celebrity's mother is here today, with nonprofits that are doing good things around the world. And when the producer said, when can we come down and film, I said, oh, just look at our schedule. It doesn't matter when. And they looked on our calendar and said, oh, you're going to be in Athens, Georgia? I was like, yeah. Athens, Georgia, my son is uh, going to do an internship with a superior court judge in Athens, Georgia. We'd love to come there. If you don't think that God is in the details of your life, you're really, really mistaken. Uh, we are going to be staying here after lunch today. We've got lots and lots of people here that are going to be interviewed, but I want to take just a moment to recognize some of those people. Gina, I want you to come up here for just a second. I told you in the beginning about, girls, I want y'all to come down here for one second. Just sit. You're going to do one more song, but I just want you to rest your legs.
Gina is a great person to talk to because she has walked that walk all the way through to the other side. Uh, I want to just introduce a few other people. Doug, if you'll just stand up. Doug Vermilia is on our board of directors. If you have any questions about Love Him, Love Them or how to get involved, you can reach out to him. <laughs> Kelly Braymeyer. Kelly Braymeyer is also on our board of directors. If you have any questions, you can uh, definitely reach out to her. Uh, Natalie, Natalie Donatelli and Ava. <laughs> Natalie Donatelli was a choir groupie. She felt so bad when she heard the story about us not knowing when our birthdays were. So on our choir tour, she had a group birthday party. She took us all to a water park and we celebrated everybody's birthdays. She made shirts, she did the whole nine yards, and she and her family, she also has twin boys, uh, and everyone in her family besides she and Ava went to Haiti with us and celebrated Christmas with us. Uh, she's an amazing young woman and she has one of our oldest children uh, that she maintains, for lack of a better term, uh, who is in college. She, she helps with Samuel. I'm looking through the congregation to see who else is here. Oh, we have Hallie. Hallie Ferguson and Wendy and Brian and Gospel and uh, the entire Ferguson family. Uh, Hallie, Hallie, how old are you now? 14? Hallie is 14 and has raised more money for us than anybody I know. Uh, she is the president of uh, her club at her middle school. She's moving to high school now, so I, I know high schoolers have more money than middle schoolers, right? Uh, Hallie is at every one of our events. She is, I, I'm pretty sure we'll take over Love Him, Love Them very soon. Uh, but she and her family are amazing volunteers. If you want to know anything about Love Him, Love Them, you can speak with any of them. I see her son has on our Thanksgiving shirt from last year. They all serve with us during Thanksgiving. Uh, they're an amazing, amazing family. She also took in five children, so we have a little bit of a connection there. Unbelievable. And then we have the Allens. We have David and Lisa and Gracie and Eldo. Eldo? As soon as Eldo moved in with the Allens, and I'm going to tell you, Eldo's story is in our book. El I, I, I start off many of our concerts reading his story. So she's real specific. You can get the real details from her. Uh, but their story and their lives are unbelievable. And I'm just so grateful for them. And you can also speak with Elda. We would love to have that happen. And then I'm going to circle back over to uh, Emily and Wesley and MK. Emily, can you come up here for a second? Oh, no, bring her, bring her, bring her. This is our youngest volunteer with Love Them, Love Them. Emily McAllister was on that jet ski with me last night, and basically I just blamed the whole bug thing on her, right? Oh, I told Leslie this morning I really regret getting on that. <laughs> yeah, I regretted it too, but anyway, that's fine. Uh, it was a miracle, a miracle that needed to happen. Do you want to switch mics with me? No problem. That sounds good. Oh, now everybody can hear me. Now I sound like Noah in the ark. Uh, I just want you to know that Emily McAllister, she drove down from Charlotte, North Carolina. Emily and Wesley have both been to Haiti with us. And Emily was in Haiti as our intern for our next choir that we were going to bring. She went to Haiti to train them on how to speak English, to train them on how to act in America, 
right? You don't pee outside the, the van, right? All those kind of things. You don't put your toilet paper in the trash can. We won't go to all that, but anyways. Uh, taught them English, worked with the girls, lived with the girls, loved on the girls, fell in love with the girls, and then uh, our visas were denied. And those girls were supposed to come back and do the tour in 2019 and 2020. And we're also supposed to sing at Emily's wedding. Emily is uh, a prime example of what happens to your life when you go to Haiti with us. Uh, it completely rocked her world. I'm going to let her say only three sentences because she will cry the whole time. But uh, I just want you to know if you have any questions about Love Him, Love Them. And her amazing husband uh, runs our website. He's our volunteer that does all of our digital marketing and our website. And he is also here. Wesley, just stand up so everybody knows who you are. But we do know that she's the star, right? Okay. Um, I think the, if I only have three sentences, I'll probably still go over that. But the biggest thing is that no matter what you have to offer, God has given us all amazing talents and skills. And just because you can't go to Haiti or just because you don't want to host a Haitian in your home doesn't mean you can't bless this ministry and you can't bless the people of Haiti and you can't bless the people in your church and the people in your hometown and your family. We all have gifts and you're meant to use them. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned when I was in Haiti was that I am a very shy person and I always thought that that meant I couldn't do anything and I couldn't you know, show people the love of Jesus. And I learned that that's just not true. And through this ministry, I learned that and I've been blessed just as much as I thought I was gonna be a blessing to those in Haiti. So. so. We all have, girls, you can head back up. We are going to end this on a very happy note because the bottom line is, is that we all have amazing things to praise God with, right? We, every praise belongs to him. And anyone that I've just introduced you to, including my 83-year-old mother who's sitting here beside uh, Gina who came today, and also Susan Blakely. So, oh, is that Neil? Oh, Neil, stand up. I didn't see you back there. The, the glory of the Lord is shining on me. Also, Neil. Neil is a part of our home group and a core part of our ministry in Haiti. Uh, did you guys see him? Okay, so Neil is who drove our last container all the way from Gumlog, Georgia, down to Miami to get it on the uh, truck to go to Haiti. So uh, any of these people, we would love for you to take advantage of the time that we're going to be downstairs to eat, that you can sit and talk with them. Doug Vermilia does our teachers teaching teachers how to teach trip. If you have a teacher that would like to get involved, we have so many different ways. There's not one person here that can't be plugged in to helping widows and orphans, which is what God has in mind for us. So we want you to uh, listen to the girls as, our, as we present our last song, which is Every Praise belongs to him. Thank you for allowing us to come today to share just a little bit of our story. And we hope to see you at our product table and to be able to share with you before we leave today. Thank you. Every place is to our God. Every word of worship is one I call. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. 
praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one I call. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one I call. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah. To our God, glory, hallelujah, is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. God, my Savior, God, my Baptist bird, I believe, sometimes. <laughs> um, thank you so much, all of you, for coming. Um, and Linda, girls, it was fabulous. Thank you so much. It was such a blessing. Um, when you leave, you are going to go through the back doors, uh, down those stairs to the right. Um, there's a door you'll see. Go down. Basically, you're going to U-turn it when you get down there and come back this way. There's a hallway where you can get in line, and they will um, show you where to go when you get down there. Um, I'm going to ask our head of deacons, uh, Mr. Bobby Howington, if he would um, pray for us now and say the blessing at the same time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here and to witness such a presentation, Lord, of your love and grace. Lord, we just pray your blessings on this group, on these girls, and the ones that uh, carry about this ministry, Lord, and the gift that they have. 
Lord, we've got a meal prepared for us. Thank you for the meal that's been prepared, that you'll take this food and bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. And through that, that we'll be the witness that we need to be for you through our lives, daily lives. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. <laughs>